Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, I have some questions for you. I want to know if you're interested in these questions. One, how do you take a company from nothing and build it to something quite extraordinary? Or second, How do you grow a social media account to hundreds of thousands or millions of visits per month? And lastly, how do you level up? We are going to learn all of that today. I am really excited to be joined by my special guest, Eric Sue. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. I'm delighted to have you here. And for everybody out there, let me explain a little bit about Eric's background and what he's doing, just so you understand where he's coming from. Eric is the CEO of ClickFlow. ClickFlow is a tool that helps you grow your traffic predictably and makes you look like a genius. I love that. I definitely want to look like a genius. He's also the chairman of Single Grain, which is a full-service ad agency, and he purchased it for $2, something I'm definitely going to ask him about today. Eric also, he's a co-host of a podcast, The Marketing School Podcast. He co-hosts that with Neil Patel. They give daily tips and advice. I listen to some episodes. It's really awesome. Quick hitter tips. So definitely check out that Marketing School podcast. And he's also the author of an upcoming book called Leveling Up, How to Master the Game of Life. I'm interested to learn more about that as well. So Eric, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to uh, add whatever value I can. Perfect. So I mean, it seems like you've got a lot going on lately. What's going on and what's coming up with you? Yeah, so... All the things that you mentioned, I think the easiest way to compact it is to think about how I just focus on buying or building marketing businesses. So it could be the software company, the ad agency you mentioned, or actually invest in a lot of, um, try to invest a lot of MarTech SaaS companies, or it could be other types of uh, just anything that's related to the audience that I continue to grow. Um, I will continue to do that probably for as long as I am capable of creating content. And um, yeah, it's just easier if you plug something into your audience that they get. So I love it. What got you into that? What made you drawn to something like that? Yeah, I think it's um, so, you know, we'll talk about the book later, but it's just I think about all this. It's like the next level. What's the next level? Right. So when I first started learning marketing, I started with SEO and then I started learning all the other stuff, you know, paid media, email marketing and all that. And then I'm like, okay, what's the next level after that? Next level is to learn management. Next level after that is taking over single grain, right? Where I actually had no idea what I was doing the first year and we dropped all the way down to, to one employee. And so it's constantly like, what's next? What's next? And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, you got great cash flows coming in. How do you invest the money? How do you have the money work for you? And so you start thinking like an investor, you start thinking like the, you, you start studying the Warren Buffetts, the Charlie Mungers of the world. That's the next level up, right? So I just want to keep playing until the day I die. And then, you know, the, the game will be over. <laughs> I love that relating, uh, relating life to a game. Let's talk about that now. So you talk about life being a game and life is the ultimate game. Yeah. What do you use from your gaming experience to help you in life and business? Yeah. I mean, you know, did you play sports, Matt? You, you look like you got a Broncos thing back there. You got a couple of things, right? Pirates. Yeah, I did play sports. Good eye. For those of you who are watching the video, you can see it. Anybody on the podcast, I do a bunch of stuff behind me. And uh, yes, I did play sports. Cool. So what kind of, what types of benefits did you see from playing sports? Well, one of the things that I always love about playing sports, and I think about this with my kids, is you learn how to lose. You learn how to deal with adversity. And I think that that's really important in sports and in life. 
because you got to know how you can improve to get better. You take the lesson. How do you make yourself better? How do you how do you come back stronger the next time? Exactly. Right. So it's the same thing with gaming. So I picked that all, all that up when I was 12, 13 years old. But my parents thought I was wasting my time. And I was learning a lot about resilience, about teamwork, about communication, how I had to find the best team to get the best things done. And I always thought to myself, look, if I can just take these, all my excitement and just translate it to real life, I'll be fine, right? I didn't know that business would be the ultimate canvas. And business is, in fact, the ultimate game, which is part of the reason why we're talking right now is is we enjoy playing it. And so one of the things I would say, as an example, I played a lot of poker in college. It's very much a game. And in poker, kind of to your point, you learn how to lose. You learn to be resilient. You learn how to control your emotions. You learn how to control your bankroll. And there's just a lot that goes into it. Because even if you play your best game for three to six months, 12 months at a time, you can still keep losing. It's just variance. It's the math. So, and you also learn how to think in bets too. You learn how to think as an investor. So, you know, one of the biggest recommendations I have is just to think about how, hey, you know, can you play poker recreationally? Can you play with your friends? Just learn to take that beating because then you'll learn how to reframe your mind into thinking, you know, adversity is actually a good thing. So now if I'm facing adversity in business or someone's, let's say someone, you know, just, you hear someone talking smack. Sometimes I hear other entrepreneurs say, oh, this person said this, whatever. I'm like, that's great. You know why? Because it makes me stronger. I'm going to reframe that and use it as fuel, right? So there's a lot that goes into that. But that's just one example of a game that can help you in real life. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I love poker myself as well. I did play it in college, played it after. One of the best things that I can relate from poker into real life is, hey, if you see an opportunity and the odds are in your favor, that's when you bet big, right? Yep. So same thing in business. You see an opportunity and you've got the odds in your favor and you've got maybe some knowledge, boom, go at it. Yep. Sometimes your odds don't need to be that crazy, right? Even a 60% edge in a, you know, for those of you that play poker, if you have a really good draw and a bunch of people are all in, you do it, right? You take that shot. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love it. And I love what you talked about earlier, Eric, about getting to that next level. That's something I actually coach and train is if you're, let's say, okay, we talked a little bit about founders and, and top leaders, but let's say even if you're working your way up the ladder, so to speak, I always tell people when I'm mentoring them, hey, start acting like you're already at the next level. Start performing, start looking at what that next thing would be. What would you be doing? How would you be acting? How would you be conducting yourself? And others will start to see you in that role, in that position, and it'll make it much easier to get you into that role when the time comes for an opening. Same thing as a founder or as a leader, start thinking about, okay, I've got this, I've gathered this skill set, our company's doing this well, whatever it is, what's the next level? So I love your mindset on that. How has that guided you? Yeah, I mean, you know, talking about, I guess, you know, the the phrase would be, and people don't like it, fake it till you make it. You know, very much in the early days when you don't have any customers, you have to, you know, talk as if you you've had them, right? As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you know, physically or or, or mentally, you know, it, it's fair game, right? Because it's a catch twenty two. You you don't have any customers yet, you need the customer to, and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and th- there's levels to it. Here's what I'll say. Are you familiar with the new app uh, Clubhouse? No. Okay. So by the way, you got to check it out. But Clubhouse is an audio chat app. And you see, there's a lot of these rooms where people are like, how to make six, seven, eight figures, nine figures a year, whatever. And what you end up seeing is there are a lot of people that are talking in those rooms that are actually not there yet. Right. And you can easily, you know, if you have the experience, you can easily see who's kind of faking it. Right. But at the same time, I respect that. I respect that because they know that they have to eventually, though, as long as they, continue to believe that they're at that level, eventually they'll manifest that, right? And in the very early days, that's that's very much what happened to your point. And I, it sounds like that's kind of what you did too. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to believe to that you can do it. You've got to set the goal. 
And you've got to, you know, like what you say, a lot of my clients ask me, so, hey, we're a new startup. How do we show people? Because one of the things I push is stories, tell stories, relevant customer stories, success stories of how you've helped do this. Because like you said, it's hard in the early days when nobody has seen you do it slash they don't see any results that you've been able to accomplish. But it's really important to be able to tell a story about how you help somebody do this. So what I say is, hey, maybe you haven't done it at this company just yet. But my guess is you started this company with some experience and you've done it somewhere else, somehow else. You've accomplished certain things. You've helped people accomplish their goals. So tell those stories, even if it's not from this company. You have 10 years experience before this. Talk about what you've done there. And so that's how I recommend to be able to do that. 100%. Absolutely. So talk to me about Single Grain. I mean, Single Grain is, is real. You purchased this agency for $2? Yeah. So the way it worked was, um, and by the way, my my podcast co-host, Neil, was also um, a partner in the company. So what happened was I came into the company as a number two to help turn the company around. Six months into it, by the way, I never had wanted to go back into the agency world. I'm just not really interested in you know services coming from the tech world. But I wanted to see if I could turn around a company where it was clearly in trouble because the services that we were doing were no longer valid because of the algorithm updates um, happening from mm-hmm. Google. Uh, it was an SEO agency. And so I was like, okay, do I really want to go into an agency where things aren't working? And you know, it's not like an A plus team, which is what I was used to, you know, working in software. And so I was like, okay, you know, let's try it. Because the hypothesis here was that if I could help turn the company around, I could do anything, right? That was the initial hypothesis. Now, six months into it, before other partners decided that they wanted out, they said, and even Neil pulled me aside. And he was like, look, there's no brand equity here. There's nothing you should pull out too. And I was like, no, you know, I think I was 27 years old at the time. I said, you know what? Why don't I try this? Now the thinking was, if I could get the business and turn it around, I would be able to take those cash flows and go reinvest that money into more exponential or more durable sources of revenue, right? And so that's basically what happened. And basically, I negotiated a deal where I paid $1 for 10% of Neil's shares, another dollar for another 10% of another partner's shares. The rest were through the profits of the company with a contingency of the if the company failed, I would owe nothing, right? So to me, asymmetric upside, we just talked about thinking in bets earlier, right? So the upside was almost uncapped, basically uncapped. And the downside was I'm going to learn a lot, right? So to me, it's a no brainer type of bet. I just got to put in sweat equity. That's amazing. And I love the outside the box thinking because a lot of people would have been like, yeah, I'm out. I'll just do what other people are doing. But the fact that you didn't kind of go with the flow and you just kind of said, hey, what is a, a unique, different approach that is going to get me that amazing upside with no downside? So kudos on that. Yep. Thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me. So was this where you were able to take failing blogs and like one company blog, there's a story you took it from zero to 320,000 visits per month and another, you got to 3 million visits per month. Like how are you accomplishing that? Yeah. And so, you know, when I first came into single grain and you mentioned doing a lot of different things, um, you know, I had a lot of time on my hand and, um, you know, our blog was getting about 4,000 visits a month. And so at the time I, you know, I knew a a thing or two about SEO. And so you know, we basically started publishing more content. We started doing more guest posts on other websites. Kind of the, you know, this is the SEO one-on-one stuff. Like a lot of people know about this. Now, the key thing is that we compounded over time and we didn't stop. So after the first year of me joining, we probably were only getting like 8,000 visits a month, right? But it slowly grew bigger and bigger. And it probably took four to five years to get to, you know, 100,000 a month or so. And once you reach that level, it's actually a lot easier to grow even more. So now we're at about 320,000 or so, which is great for a marketing blog. But then we also, you know, in the meantime, I'm also a partner in the survival blog where we're getting about four or 5 million visits a month right now. 
um, especially wow. this in the last 12 months, right? We took that from zero to four to five million. And that, that blog is doing great, multiple seven figures um, in revenue. And you know that's what it is. It's the same strategies there. But the key thing here, the takeaway value here is I also started my podcast leveling up at the first time or at, when I first took over Single Grain. That's what I mean. And what happened there was I was spending six hours a week on the podcast. So I was doing the interviews. I was doing the show notes. I was reaching out to people while I was trying to save single grain, which was on fire, by the way, because, you know, little me had no idea how to run a company probably should have given up because after the first year, I was only getting nine downloads a day, but I kept going after the second year, I was only getting 30 downloads a day. But if I had stopped, we wouldn't have the two podcasts now that um, cumulatively were were about 47 million downloads and we're number four on on Apple, right? But my point is, I'm not good at fast viral growth. What I'm good at is slow, steady growth that compounds over time. And again, if you think like an investor, and if you think you're putting out good stuff, if you're learning, you just keep doing it and you're going to be ahead because most people give up too early. I totally, totally agree with that. I think that's fantastic, Eric, because so many people say, oh, I need an SEO strategy. Oh, I need to do some content. I need a podcast. Like you said, I'll do it. And after three episodes, five episodes, 10, 20 episodes, they're like, oh, nobody's listening to this. Nobody's consuming my content. Nobody's reading my articles, whatever it is. Yep. And they give up. So it seems like consistency and persistency are key. But by the way, Matt, that, that's a, all that is right. And I would say it's also important to, to reframe your mindset into optimizing for the right KPI. So the right key performance indicator, right? So instead of saying, oh, the KPI is you know number of downloads, I was optimizing for learning because I was talking to very successful people. We're talking about best-selling authors. We're talking about millionaires, billionaires. This is all information that is, to be frank, I, probably the amount that I've accumulated probably worth over seven figures, right? If you had to pay for that information. And so, you know, the amount of learning and networking that I was able to do, and some of the things, by the way, like when I'm doing a podcast and my business is on fire, I'm going to ask selfish questions. And I learned a lot to help um, sidestep from a lot of mistakes. So that was worth its weight in gold. So I was optimizing for the learning. And every once in a while, one person would leave a comment or a review saying, I don't know why this is, doesn't have more reviews. This should be getting more views um, in general. This is amazing. And that kept me going. The learning and the unsolicited responses that would happen maybe every month or two. That's awesome. I love that you talk about optimizing for learning because I think too many times we're looking at just the pure numbers. And by the way, podcast downloads is, I would say, a leading indicator. That doesn't even get you to your final end revenue. So really looking at, hey, what can I get out of this? Even if we're not yet seeing the visits, we're not seeing the traffic that we would hope, what can we get out of this? And I have heard that long before I ever started a podcast, that the learning, the connection is huge. And I have met some incredible people who've been able to teach me unbelievable things. Even on this podcast today, I'm learning a lot. And so I love that that was your approach. That's definitely the approach that people need to take. Yeah. And one more thing I'll add too, Matt. I mean, by the way, I just got this today, right? The book, like the physical copy, like I- Oh, it looks awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. And by the way, this is a five-year journey. Like it took a long time, like all the optimizations I had to make for this thing, seven, I had to rewrite it or seven drafts and then, you know, working with all these different parties and now promoting it. There's a game within this too. Right. And so I think my point is, you know, five-year journey, three-year journey for podcast, three-year journey for business. It's just, I think I was talking to someone the, the other day, he just reached 10 million in ARR and it took him, the first five years was nothing. It took him five years to figure out product market fit. And so this stuff just takes time. Most people are just too impatient. I totally agree. I dealt with that myself when I was growing my companies. Uh, I deal with my clients trying to, hey, I want to go from A to Z instantly. How is that going to happen? There's grunt work. I mean, the stories of this person did this amazing thing and built a company to 50 million in two years, that doesn't always happen that way. And so knowing that you've got to stay with it is important. So let me ask you, we talked about SEO a bit. ClickFlow, 
I mean, this thing looks really, really cool. It does some great stuff with SEO. So first of all, tell me a little bit about ClickFill, but then what are some of the things to keep in mind with an SEO strategy? Yeah. So I'll start with the first one. So ClickFlow is, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's software that helps you grow your traffic while looking like a genius. Um, we actually have an operator that runs that business. So I'm not really in the, the day-to-day. But you know, when you talk about SEO strategy, the two most important things still in, in 2021 is still traffic and links, right? Now, the trouble right now is there's over a billion blogs in the world. There's over a million blog posts being published every single day. And you know, how do you stand out? It's getting more competitive in the search engine results. I actually wouldn't recommend SEO as a as your first strategy, you know, for the vast majority of people. And I can tell you why if, if you want to uh, double click on that. But I would say with with SEO now, you know, we saw a gap in the market where you know a lot of people would rank for a lot of these different types of keywords, but they wouldn't be optimizing for their titles and their meta descriptions. And this is getting a little into the weeds, but the whole idea here is when if you're, if you're searching for something and you see a better title, you're more likely to click it, right? And obviously, if you click it, that means you're getting more traffic coming to your website. So people should be optimizing. You know, this is just one of the features that we have that will help you optimize your copy. You can test it and see which one performs better, right? Just like how you would with your ads. That's one example. The other example is we, we have another feature that tracks when you're losing traffic to your, your key content, right? Because a lot of people don't monitor that. And the third thing I would add is, you know, a lot of people, when you hire writers, because content and links, the top two factors, a lot of your writers don't know how to do SEO. Well, the beauty is we have a content editor that will show you the keywords you should be adding when, when your writers are, are writing content and they don't need to know how to do SEO. It's in there. You're going to add the right keywords and you're going to rank for more stuff. Because even in today's day and age, people are talking about voice and all this stuff. Text still matters, right? At least probably for the next, you know, five, 10 years, at least, you know, it being a major factor from a Google standpoint. So. That's amazing. So things going well with ClickFlow? I mean, it seems like a really great app. Yeah, no, it's, it's going great. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, I stepped out of the day to day because it's, um, you know, the operators, he, he's got it. Um, he does a good job. And then I can just oh. focus on creating content and doing deals. Okay, perfect. So what do you think are some of the other strategies you're seeing as really important to focus on in 2021? I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think Clubhouse is amazing because it's basically networking at scale. And what I mean by that is, you know, you'll go into a room, you know, where people might be talking about marketing, they might be talking about mindset, this type of stuff. And you have amazing people that you're going to engage with. So, you know, sometimes I'll be in rooms with people that I sometimes, you know, watch their videos, you know, Grant Cardone, as an example, Gary V will be in there. Earlier t- this morning, uh, Tony Robbins was in the same room as me, and we um, were kind of sharing the stage and we ended up following each other. Yeah. So there's stuff like that. But you know, what ends up happening is because you and I engage like this, even micro engagements where it's like a five second conversation or a 10 second remark, you follow that person, you end up DMing them on Twitter or Instagram, and you end up doing stuff, right? And, you know, some people are spending like 10 to 12 hours a day, I just can't do that right now. But what ends up happening is the time I did spend there, I'm on a podcast tour right now for my book. And I didn't, it's unsolicited, 20 people reached out to me to say, hey, let's do a podcast just for that. And there's a lot of people that I followed online. And it's just like, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. People I reconnected with. So um, I just think we're talking about audio. I think relationships are not going to go away. I think we're still, you know, at least in California right now, we're locked down. People are craving relationships. So I don't think that's going to go away. I still think LinkedIn organic reach is great. You know, I still think TikTok organic is great as well. It just depends on, you know, where your audience is. And what I'll say is, you know, one of the questions people ask is, why are you doing something traditional like a book? Well, the reason is because for me, at least personally, I like reading books because it forces me to focus, right? Mm-hmm. So can I build a new audience? Long-term thinking here, right? Having a gamer mindset and connecting it with business, I think I have an angle here. So as a marketer, I would attack that angle. And the goal here is to build as much leverage as I can. So I'm, I'm building more leverage. If the book is successful, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens there. But 
I think leverage relationships, that's the name of the game. And I'll continue to, to be that way. Oh, I mean, I think books are absolutely still relevant. I know people who are super smart. You would think top of the chain people who still devote themselves to learning and educating themselves through books and are reading tons of books every year. So I give you all kinds of credit. I know a book is a big, big lift, a big effort. So I think you leveled up there. I appreciate that. Hopefully it does. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the mistakes that you see early stage companies making with regard to their marketing strategies? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think because there's so much new stuff coming all the time, there's new platforms. And then within those platforms, there's new features being launched. And then people saying, do this, do that. It's very easy to be pulled in all these different directions. And people get unfocused. And they say, you know what? I hear Matt talking about SEO, podcasting, all this stuff. Let's do it all at once, right? And then while you do all that, you're trying to start other multiple businesses. So the ADD is very real. And I think it's very important when you're starting out to just focus on one channel that, for example, if you're good at video, do YouTube. If you're good at audio, just do a podcast. If you want to write, if you just like to do micro content, maybe you do it on Twitter, right? The whole idea here is that you focus on one, get it going first, let it be your foundation, and then you can start to branch out into all these other areas, right? Now, if you're running ads for your SaaS product, don't try to do all these channels at once. Get one working first and then branch out. But your resources are very limited in the beginning in terms of human capital and also just, you know, capital in general. And so you want to be very smart about how you use your time because, um, you know, if you drop to zero, the game's over. (laughs) Definitely don't want to drop to zero. Don't want game to be over. But uh, sadly, our time has come over. So uh, this has been awesome, Eric. Like we talked about earlier, podcast, you should be learning. I've learned a lot. Thank you very much for, for sharing all of this value. How shall our audience learn more about you and leveling up or ClickFlow? Yeah, I mean, you can just go to levelingup.com if you'd like to learn more about the book. I think we have a bunch of bonuses on there that are expiring. And if you want to just reach out to me uh, at Eric O-S-I-U on Twitter or Instagram or Clubhouse, and then you can ask me about any of the other stuff we talked about. Okay, perfect. And once again, we've been talking with Eric Sue from Leveling Up and ClickFlow. So Eric, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for everybody, please make sure you're subscribing. We're always bringing on new, innovative people, content creators, marketers, salespeople, everybody around the SaaS world to help you level up just like Eric has been. So thank you very much for coming and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.